want to talk this morning uh, uh, briefly about uh, sometimes we get information before we get a manifestation. A manifestation is a, is a word, again, it's kind of like a church word a lot of times, but it literally means when something shows up. So here's an example. Uh, when you go to Amazon.com and, and you uh, buy me some golf balls, thank you very much. Do not buy me any golf balls. I love you, but don't do it, please. And you buy me some golf balls, and you hit enter when you put your credit card in, you get some information back. It says, uh, this thing's going to be shipped on such and such date, and it's going to arrive at your house, and the, the guy's going to bring it, he's going to drop it off on your porch, and it's going to get there. But you get the information about what's on the way before you receive what's on the way. You get the information before the manifestation. Does that make sense? So in our lives, a lot of times, we get the information before we get uh, the manifestation. Another uh, great example would be uh, when, when a lady gets pregnant, when, when, when a, a lady becomes a mom. I'll never forget when, when Crystal and I, uh, we were married for a couple of years, or almost a couple of years, I guess, and, and we were ready to, to start having kids. And by ready, I mean we were not ready <laughs> But we, we said, man, I, I'm ready to have kids. And I'll be honest with you, uh, the day she said I do, she was ready. And it just took me some time to come around to it. Uh, but she said, she said, I'm ready. I said, I'm ready too. Okay, we got this. And we had done a half a dozen things that we thought were important to do before having kids. And, you know, we, we were all excited about it. And I remember uh, we, we were getting close to that season where we were fixing to uh, start trying to have babies. And, and I just want you to know that's a good time in life. Just, just a heads up. What are y'all talking? <laughs> She's covering her face. We're going to have a marriage seminar, guys. You're going to like it. I'm just going to tell you. But, but it's a good time. It is. And, and so when, when we were... <laughs> so when... <laughs> this is not going on the Internet, so... Just for the record. But, but anyway, we were in church, and uh, we, we were there uh, in church, and we went to a great church. The pastor's still great friends of ours today, and uh, we were in service, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me, tell Crystal anything she wants, she can have it right now. Whatever she asks for, she can have it right now. Well, I knew what she wanted. She wanted to be pregnant. She, she was ready to, to become a mother and for us to, you know, expand our little uh, family and, and all that stuff. And I told her, I said, I, said, I, said, I said, the Lord just told me, we're in a service just like this, not a, not a crazy service, just a service. And I looked at her and I said, I said, the Lord just said to me, whatever you want that you ask for, you can have it right now. And I told her, I said, won't you ask for a big boat? <laughs> she didn't honor her husband that day. I know what she asked for. She asked for a little baby. She was, she was ready. And, and, and so uh, the time came, and there's a certain, you know, whatever, a timetable that has to happen where a, a pregnancy test will work or not work. And, and, and you get to that timetable when it'll work, and, you know, you, you take the test, and, and yes or no kind of thing. And I remember we were at our little house. We were so proud of our little house, little old bitty house, little old bitty yard. But to us, it was a castle, you know. And, and if I could, I'd have dug a moat around it and put alligators in it. I just was, was so proud of that little house. And we were in a little house. And uh, she got, remember, I remember we went to the store and we got the little thingy. And 
uh, she goes to take the test, and, and we set it down, and you have to wait like, I don't remember, uh, is it 10 minutes or something? Yeah, forever, she said. You've got to wait for a while uh, for, for the thing to, to, to tell. And, and the thing came back, and, and it came back negative. And, and I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Because now, you know, I feel like I'm on the line because I told her the Lord said, if, if, if you use those words, you need to understand who you're speaking for. You're speaking for the one who flung the stars in the sky. If you're going to say God said, you're talking about the one who told the water where to stop at the beach. That's the one. You're talking about the one who can literally fling the devil from him like lightning. This is the one you're saying said that. And I said that. Now, I was certain of it. Down in my spirit, I knew. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice and as strangers, they won't follow from the time I'm a little boy, uh, I've been taught uh, how to hear from God and, 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 and how to decipher when you, when you feel like you're hearing something. Is it me? Is it God? Is it the enemy? Who's speaking right now? And I knew for certain that my father had said, whatever she asked for, and I knew she'd asked to have a baby. And that night, it's the only night in my recollection, and I hope this doesn't embarrass her too much, but it's the only night in my recollection where she cried herself to sleep. And I'm sitting, I'm laying there. I didn't sleep hardly a wink because she so wanted to have a baby. And I wanted to say to her, baby, I must have missed it. But I knew what I heard. And as gently and as, as politely as I possibly could, I said, baby, I said, I don't know what to say. But I know God is going to make a way and his Bible says he'll dry every tear from your eye. says he's closest to the brokenhearted. And baby, if I can help with anything, I want to. But uh, at least we can try again. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. The next morning I get up and I got up earlier than her because I had to drive across Houston to go to my office. And I was in the shower and that same voice that spoke to me and said, whatever she wants right now, she can have it if she'll ask, told me to get that test out of the trash can and look at it. And I said, no. I said, I, I don't, I don't want to be whatever, God, I'm not going to put you to the test because I wasn't sure it was him this time. I said, I'm not going to put you to the test. I come out of the shower. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm getting dressed the whole time. It's saying, grab that thing out of the trash can. It's right there. I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put you to the test. And I felt like I was just in this uh, uh, tied up knot. I got in my truck and I drove all the way. It was 45 minutes one way to my office. And I got to my office and I was sitting there and I couldn't think of anything other than the tears of my wife that I could not uh, console, that I couldn't do anything about. And I was sitting there and I, was, I wanted to say, God, why would you say that to me if I wasn't going to get it, if she wasn't going to get it? That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. I just said, Lord, I know you're faithful. I know you're a good God. I know you have good plans for us. And about 8.15, my phone rang and I answered it. And she said, you're not going to believe this. I said, try me. She said, I was laying in bed this morning trying to figure out why that test wasn't right. And the Lord said to me to get up and go get the test out of the trash. I said, really? 
She said, so I did. I said, yeah? She said, there's two lines. I said, like, what does that mean? She goes, it means pregnant. I said, are you sure that's what that means? She said, yes. She said, what do I do? I said, call in, tell them you're not going to work today, and go get 10 pregnancy tests <laughs> and take them all. An hour later, she calls me. She goes, we're 10 for 10, I'm pregnant. When you get a word from God, you have an opportunity to grab a hold of that word and not let go or let it go by the wayside. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 4, it says when the word of God is sown into somebody's heart immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. the devil comes to steal that word immediately. Now listen. Uh, God told me that we were going to be pregnant. And, and here's the other side of it. When you receive a word from God, it can happen several different ways. It can happen just like what I'm talking about right now, where God says something to you. And if it ever contradicts what the Bible said, you've got to stick with the Bible. Help me out here. When it, when it contradicts what the Bible said, you've got to stick with the Bible. The other thing, you can receive a word straight from the Bible. You can be reading the Bible, and it can say that you're the head and not the tail. Listen to me. If you're a blood-bought, born-again Christian, that is for you. You receive that for yourself. You can receive a word from God in the middle of a song. You can receive, Noah received a word from God, and it looked like a rainbow in the sky. You can receive a word from God, but when you receive something from God, get ready because now the enemy's going to come in immediately and try to steal that seed out of your heart. The Bible says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 16, you're welcome to turn there. If not, we're going to put it on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Uh, this is the story of when Samuel uh, goes to Jesse's house and he's going to anoint the next king of Israel. There was a, a, a king named Saul and Saul had just kind of lost his way with God. And the Bible says that there needed to be another king anointed. So uh, the Lord told Samuel to go to Jesse's house. Beginning in verse number 4, this is where we pick up. And Samuel did that which the Lord spoke, and he came to Bethlehem. This is where Jesse was. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and asked him, Do you come in peace? Uh, let me just stop right there for a minute. The man of God was coming to Bethlehem, and everybody asked him, Do you come in peace? Did you know that living for God is not for the faint at heart? Living for God is not for uh, 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 people who are going to back down easy. No, I remember when I was a young boy, one of the only things I've ever known my whole life is that I was going to pastor a church. That's one of the only things I've ever known my whole life. And I was very fortunate to be surrounded by great men and women of God that, that showed a, a great lifestyle of living for God. But there was probably 50% or so of the, of the quote-unquote pastors that, that, bless God, I didn't want to be anything like them. They were, they were just, just, I don't know if you can say this in church, but they were sissified. They were, they were always just, they, they always were in a sour mood. They always had a problem. I didn't want to be anything like this. I was like, man, I don't want to be like that. They, they weren't the kind of person you'd want on your side. They were the kind of person you'd be glad if they were on the other side. 
You wouldn't, you wouldn't want them around you in, in any kind of a situation, let alone when you needed some victory over something. You didn't want some of them around you because they were just, you know, just mully grubless. I'll just keep on while I'm on this since you guys are so quiet. <laughs> their kids were heathens. The kids were always acting up. The kids didn't like their parents. The kids didn't like church. And I was like, man, I want kids that love me. I want kids that love church. I don't know if I want to be a pastor if I got to be like this guy. I don't think I'll do it. But Samuel wasn't anything like that. Samuel starts coming to town and they send out a welcome party and say, listen here, brother, we just need to know you coming peacefully or not because we need to know. Because we know, Samuel, when you speak, you mean business. Men, I just encourage you. God did not save you to turn you into a sissy. God saved you so that you would fight the good fight of faith. Foot on all this effeminate Christianity stuff. Let's stand with a backbone and act like heaven is to gain and hell is literally to shun. Take that rightful place in your home and you don't do it with a heavy hand over your family. You do it by walking in love. What you do is you rage war on the enemy's camp. And nobody in your home is your enemy. So when you find yourself raging war and you're raging war inside your home, you're literally just well be hurting yourself. That's what you're doing. But God didn't take a man and try to... One chapter before this, let me tell you what Samuel had just done. Here's why they asked. Uh, king Saul, Samuel, what would happen is, is the, the king would ask the prophet, say, hey, should we go to war or not? And Samuel says, yeah, man, go get them. But don't bring nothing back. These are some bad people. You need to just, just get rid of it all. And Saul, he was, he was just you know, so enticed by all the things that he'd seen that he brought a bunch of stuff back, including the king that they had just conquered. And Saul said, well, I brought all this stuff back. We're going to sacrifice it to God. And Samuel said, listen, brother. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Listen to this. Sacrifice means you did something wrong. That's why you have to sacrifice. We need Jesus because we have done wrong. He's necessary. There are some things where you can just choose obedience and you don't have the necessity of a sacrifice. So Saul thinks, I'm just going to outsmart God. It turns out he loses his anointing. But what really happens is crazy. Samuel, the preacher, he brings the king that, that Saul was supposed to kill. He rips out his sword and kills the guy. Violently, I might add. So all these people in Bethlehem, when they hear that Samuel's coming, they're like, oh my goodness. Do you come peacefully? Samuel says, I come peacefully. He goes on, he said, peacefully I come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Now he's going to Jesse's house because God told him he was going to get a new king anointed out of Jesse's house. And it came to pass when there come that he looked on uh, Eliab, which was one of his sons, and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. It's a Samuel. He goes, now this boy is king material. He's big, he's strong, he's handsome, he's everything a king would want. Surely this is him. It's a Samuel talking. God goes on to say, no, 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 no. Man looks at the outside, but I look at the heart, Samuel. And can I just say, some of you, 
may have had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or some kind of a relationship in the past and you just felt certain that this was the person that God had for you and it didn't work out. Can I just say Samuel, the one who anointed Saul to be king, the one who anointed David to be king, the one who spoke on God's behalf to the people of Israel, even he missed it sometimes. He saw the guy and says, this has got to be him. And it wasn't. But Samuel didn't fall on the ground and say, Oh God, I can't believe that you told me that that person was this and it didn't happen. No, Samuel just said, No, nope, that must not have been right. So listen, if you got some people in your past that you thought, you know, were going to be a, a lifetime relationship, but they were just a season relationship, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or something else like that, listen, you just got to put that thing behind you and understand sometimes we miss it, but God's got somebody out there tending sheep waiting for you he goes on and he says he says but the lord said unto samuel don't look on his countenance don't look on his outside or his height of his stature i say thank god especially for that because i have refused him for the lord sees not as a man sees for the the man looks on the outward appearance but the lord looks on the heart then jesse called abinadab and made him pass before samuel and he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this one. Then he brought uh, Shammah to pass by. And he said, the Lord didn't choose this one either. And he's just running his kids by him. And again, uh, Jesse made seven of his sons. He had eight total. And he made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord didn't choose any of these boys. Samuel said, Jesse, are these all your children? He said, well, there remains the youngest. And behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him. And we're not even going to sit down until he gets back. I'm reminded of a story one time. The Bible says that Mary and Joseph uh, went to Jerusalem to worship God. And when Jesus was long about 12 years old, they were headed back. And they looked around and said, oh, where's Jesus? And they couldn't find Jesus. Just like Samuel, he's looking for that one boy. And when they go find Jesus, Mary, Jesus' mom, uh, says to Jesus, Buddy, he said, what? You, you should have come with us. You know, what happened? He said, what are you doing in here? He was at the temple. He was teaching people about what the Scripture said. At 12 years old, he was teaching people, listen to me, your children are never too young to be putting the Bible in them. It can start with one scripture, it can start with one story. You say, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. If you know the story of an old rugged cross, you know enough about the Bible to put some word in your offspring. Tell them about a slingshot and a giant. They love that stuff. But he says to him, he says, Mom, he said, you should have known I'd be about my father's business. Well, the scripture says that David is a man after God's own heart. And David's daddy, Jesse, owned lots of sheep. And when they were looking for uh, uh, David, they found him tending sheep, a.k.a. about his father's business. Samuel says, now this is something I can work with. You're telling me this boy is out here working? He says, yeah, all these other boys are prim and proper and got their act together, and you're telling me this boy's out here working? He's out here working. So we'll go get him. So we're not even going to sit down. You boys stand up until he gets back. They bring David in, the Bible says, and he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, uh, which, which means like red. Maybe he was sunburnt. Uh, some translations indicate that he might have had red hair. I don't know. Maybe. And with all of a beautiful countenance, Girls, uh, one translation says, he had attractive eyes and was very handsome. 
I just declare if you're believing God for somebody, if there's somebody out there for you, and when they walk in the room, in Jesus' name, something's going to fire off on the inside of you, and you're going to recognize that God has brought you somebody, that right person. No, don't settle for second best when God's got the very best for you. Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise right there. And he sent and brought him, and he said he was ruddy. He was a beautiful countenance and good to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So, so David comes in. And, and, and the Lord just tells Samuel, goes, oh, that's the one, that's the one. So he takes a horn, which is how they carried the oil around, and he anointed David king, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden Samuel just left. Now this happens in front of his brothers, in front of his father. It was a pretty good day for David. It was a pretty good day for David. He, he literally found out, what, just while he was tending sheep, he's out there, he's probably practicing with his slingshot, trying to see if he can hit the, the tree or the rock or whatever. And all of a sudden, the prophet of God himself sends for him, pours oil on him, says, you're going to be king after Saul. That's a pretty good day. This is when he got the information. But the manifestation wouldn't come for a long time. After this, the Bible says that, that, that Saul was just, the anointing had lifted from him and an evil spirit would bother him. And they said, can anybody do anything about this evil spirit? And they said, go get that shepherd boy. That shepherd boy plays a mean guitar. And when he plays that guitar, man, devils just run out of the room. They said, it's like New Heights worship team. When they play, man, those demons just run out of the room. So David would go and he's sitting there staring at his throne. Playing his heart. I'm not going to outrun the will of God in my life. If God wants me to play for this guy, even though he already told me I'm going to be king, I'm just going to play. And the Bible says he, tend, he would tend his father's sheep. And when they would send for him, he would go play for Saul. And then he would go back and tend his father's sheep. When you receive a word from God, a lot of times it doesn't mean go do something different. It means what you were doing was working. Stay at it. And he goes back and he's, he's tending his father's sheep. And then uh, he was about 10 or 13 years old whenever he was anointed king. And when he's about 15 or 16 years old, most historians say, uh, his dad says, David, come here. I want you to take this corn. I want you to take this bread. And I want you to take this cheese to your brothers and the guys who are in charge of your brothers. Where are they, dad? Well, there's a big battle going on. The Philistines have come against the Israelites. There's a big giant named uh, Goliath. He's standing in the middle. But, but don't worry about any of that. I want you to go down there, and I want you to take them that food, and I want you to bring back word that your brothers are okay. The three oldest sons had gone to fight. And he goes, and uh, most historians believe it was 90 or 100-mile trip one way to where he was. And he made sure that his sheep were looked after first, the Bible says. Which means God's never going to call you to abandon something to do something else. He'll always provide the next step while you're taking care of this step. So he goes on and he gets to where they are. And uh, the Bible says that he gets there. He's like, hey brother, how's it going? Here's some corn. Here's some bread. And everybody's all cool. And he goes, and, and where's, the, where's your boss? Where's the captain? He's over there. Okay, here sir, here's some cheese for you. That sounds like flamiato or something. Cheese and bread, just... No, what's that stuff called that you dip in, baby? Fondue. A little fondue for you? 
So David goes to the giant, where the giant was, he goes, little fondue for you. And he brings all the stuff to his brothers and the captain. And while he's standing there, he hears this heathen yelling out and screaming, railing curses against the God of Israel. And the shepherd boy, who had been sent by his father, who was walking in obedience, all of a sudden, the king began to rattle on the inside of him. And the the Philistine was screaming, and the shepherd boy was standing there, but the anointing on the inside of him began to rise up, and he's like, am I the only one hearing this? Do you guys not hear this guy talking about our God, talking about our people, talking about what he's going to do to us? All of them said, oh, we hear. He said, but that guy, you know, he kills everybody that comes out after him. He's just a, he's just a bad, bad mamma jamma. They said, well, what happens if somebody kills him? I said, well, Saul said you can marry his daughter and he'll make you real rich. David said, you talking about that girl I saw at the palace? That's the one. He said, well, wait a minute. He said, he'll make you rich. He said, he'll make you rich. Could buy my dad some more sheep. Could buy me a, could go to Gander Mountain, get that slingshot I really like. He said, I tell you what. I'm not going to let anybody yell and fuss and cuss about our God and my presence. This is what I'm going to do. And he goes to him, goes to the king. And when the king should have said, no, son, I'll fight him. He said, sure, go ahead. And it was the beginning of the manifestation of the shift in the anointing between Saul, king, and the new king, David. And he goes, and I'm not going to bore you guys with the story. He goes and kills the giant, cuts his head off and brings it back and says, I told y'all, bump, 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 bump. Our God is a delivering God. And he goes on, and and, and you would think at that moment that that Saul would take the crown and go, man, if you're willing to fight giants at 15 years old, you're ready to lead this country. But that's not what happened at all, no. What happened was he was allowed to marry Saul's daughter, but then he was banished from Saul's court, the inner circle. Some of you guys, there's some people in your life that you used to be like this with, and now you're like this with, and you're like, what happened? God's just setting you up for something better. You feel like you've been banished from the inner courts, and God's saying, I'm taking you somewhere. Will you trust me today? And he goes on, and the Bible says that he made him the captain over the army. I personally think Saul was trying to get him killed. And I think David learned that trick and used it later. He was trying to get him killed. And uh, the Bible says that he was such a great warrior that they would say things. They would say, Saul has killed his thousands. And another crowd would yell, but David has killed 10,000. Saul was overwhelmed with jealousy. And he began to pursue David. And he would chase him into caves and everywhere that he would hide. 
At one point, David found himself without a weapon, but he went into a temple and there was some bread to eat called the showbread. And he says, I got to eat that bread. I got to have some nourishment. The priest let him eat it. He said, you got any weapons? He goes, I got this big old sword that you took from Goliath. He said, that'll work. The victories of your past supply the weapons for your future. So he takes that big sword with him and he finds himself in a cave and everybody's trying to kill him. He has a few friends that stick close to him, but most everybody's trying to wipe him out. He gets two distinct opportunities to kill Saul, the guy trying to kill him, but he refused to touch God's anointed. Let me just tell you, don't waste your time talking about preachers. Let God handle that. I know plenty of them do plenty of things, and I get it. But don't waste your breath. Just choose this day. I'm just not going to touch God's anointed. I'll let him deal with that. The Bible said that he wouldn't touch his anointing. At one time, he literally cut the edge off of his coat. And he took it to him. He goes, man, I could have killed you last night. And I didn't. And Saul repented of his anger. And later came back after him again. And he still pursued him and pursued him until finally one day, Saul and his son were killed in battle, the Bible says. And David was anointed the king of Israel. The interesting thing is this, though. He received the word from God. Uh, historians argue, but most of them agree he was either 10 to 13, between 10 and 13 years old. It's whenever he was said, you're going to be king. But the Bible says in 2 Samuel 5, that he was anointed king at 30 years old. For 20 years, this shepherd boy had to protect the word of God that was spoken in and over his life. When you receive a word of God, even if it is initial salvation, where you believe God has a son who died on a cross, who rose from the dead for your victory, when you receive that word, you have two things that you have to get tactically and strategically good at. The first thing is you got to get good at acting like it. When everybody else was acting like a coward, he acted like a king. When God says that you are born again, listen to me. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Act like it. Don't you believe the lie of the devil that says you're not good enough, you're not going to be good enough, you've never been good enough, it's not going to happen in your life. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says that his plans for you are for good and not evil. Believe it and act like it. Number two. When you receive a word from God... You've got to get strategically good at protecting it. Mark 4. Immediately, when the word hits somebody's heart, the devil comes. Have you ever noticed that person, they, they, they get touched by God, they live for God, and like, like for two days, uh, they're, they're so excited, and all of their social media looks like the King James Bible, and then by Wednesday, they're back at the bar. 
I'm not mad at them. I'm not even pointing a finger at them. I'm telling you what happens spiritually is when the word is sown, Satan comes immediately to try to steal that word that it doesn't germinate, that it doesn't develop a root system, that it doesn't grow and begin to bear fruit. Because when it begins to bear fruit, he stops losing souls. When you receive a word from God, you got to be ready to act like it and you got to be ready to defend it. The scripture goes on to say that, the, that the, the thorns will come and try to choke out the plants when the plants are growing. And that's the cares of this world, the Bible says. I don't know about you, but I've had a washing machine go out on the day that I really needed some clean clothes. But Jesus didn't fall off his throne because your washing machine went out. You can't let the cares of this world choke out that word that's growing on the inside of you. Some of you, God has told you, you're going to write a book. You're going to do something great. You're going to, you're going to travel overseas. You're going to do all your children or this. And nothing looks like it at all. David, you're going to be king. Yes. Dad, I'm going to be king. Great. Go tend the sheep, boy. But, but. Samuel said, is Samuel your father or am I your father? Go tend the sheep. I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. Samuel said, I'm going to be king. David, take your brother some lunch. You want a king to deliver lunch? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. But I came to serve. Everything from David's life from the time the oil hit his forehead was a setup for the anointing of the king of Israel. He met Goliath at the battleground. And God turned it into a blessing ground. Every time something comes against you, it's a setup for God to do something miraculously. But when you receive a word from God, two things. I'm closing with this. You've got to act like it. The Bible said that Abraham would call things that were not as though they were. That means when your kids are not acting like it, you still say, thank God my kids serve God every day of the world. That means when your marriage is on the rocks, when your kids aren't making the right grades, when things are happening, you're still speaking faith over your... Come on Wednesday nights. We kind of let our hair down on Wednesday nights a little bit. And we teach some real fundamental keys to walking by faith. But we call things that are not as though they were. Number one, you act like it. Number two is you protect it. Don't you let your mama, don't you let your cousin, don't you let your beautician, don't you let the guy at work, don't you let the guy on TV, don't, let, don't you let anybody steal the promises of God out of your heart. His promises are yes and amen. You hold on to them like you're holding on. Like you're holding on to something that can change generations. Because it really can.
Stand to your feet, please. I'm done teaching.